0: Well, I guess I don't really need this thing on at the moment. Uh, This is actually a mask that Liz Clausen made for me. I wear it when I go out to the grocery store. Thank you very much, Liz. You'll notice that it has red chili peppers on it. Very spicy. Well, here we are. Week 5 of our virtual worship pilgrimage. A number of you have been sending me notes about our online gatherings. Um, I was talking with one person and we were commenting on how easy it is to take things for granted. I'm missing the physical interaction of being together in our space. Another person was commenting that these videos have reminded him just how important the Rockway spiritual community is. Another person spoke of a strange sense of intimacy they felt while watching on Sunday mornings. So it seems we've been learning some things during this time of isolation and difficulty. Nobody chooses difficulty, but in retrospect, living through hardship seems to teach us some things that we wouldn't otherwise learn. And so we need to stay with it, to have patience, to persevere, I've been learning some things through this time of hardship and social distancing that we're experiencing. Um, One thing I'm recognizing is how attached I am to predictability and order. And I find when I can't get it outside, when I don't know how long this is going to last, etc., I try to create more order at home, um, including making too many comments about how things should be done in the kitchen which can lead to other sorts of issues, which I won't go into here. Um, Another thing I've been realizing is how precarious life is. Um, I'm feeling it more, I guess. How things can change all of a sudden. How systems and a society is not as stable as I once thought it was. I'm realizing that I can't put all of my hope into a completely secure future. I have to find ways of settling in and really being present to the day that I have in front of me. We all know these things on a certain level, but it's in times of challenge that um, cracks open up and the truth is allowed to percolate a little further down. Well, on a meditation session on Zoom this past week, Someone shared a quote uh, from the French author Jacques Luceron. Now, Luceron lived in France during the Nazi occupation in the Second World War. He had been blinded as a young boy in an accident. And um, still in his childhood, early teenage years, as Hitler was coming to power, he grew disturbed and he taught himself German so that he could listen to the radio broadcasts. And then at the age of 17, he began a resistance movement to the Nazis. Well, in talking with his biographer, he said the following, and I I quote, when you said, tell me the story of your life, I was not eager to begin. But when you added, what I'm most interested in Is your reasons for loving life, then I became much more open, for that is a real subject. All the more since I have retained this love of life through everything, through infirmities, the terrors of war, and even Nazi prisons, never did it fail me, not in misfortune, nor in good times, which may seem easier, but is not. Now, how intriguing it is that he says the good times didn't make it easier for him to feel this love of life. It's almost as if he's saying he felt it more during the bad times. Well, I want to move to the texts for today. I want to look at the Gospel of John. Uh, Thank you, Kristen and Julia. Here in this encounter we we see Jesus coming to his friends for the first time after his death. The words that immediately jump out to me from the text are locked doors and fear. They were afraid. They were self-isolating. And completely disoriented. Their trajectory of their lives had come to an abrupt and a bitter end. For the last several years, few years, they'd been walking the roads of Galilee with Jesus. Some of them had left jobs. Some of them had even left family to go on this strange and exciting journey. And now it had all come to an end. There had been early warning signs of a coming catastrophe, but like most of us, like politicians, even like public health authorities. They didn't take them seriously enough. They kept going, assuming that somehow everything would be okay. But now in retrospect, they were remembering back to those early signs. Remembering the opposition that Jesus had been experiencing. Remembering how the leaders of the synagogues had Come out to hear him, and after he spoke, how they stayed huddled together, whispered in hushed tones. They were remembering rumors they had heard, rumors of a plot against him. And while many people had welcomed their presence in the towns, there were also those who kept their distance. Some had given them dirty looks, a few had even thrown stones. They should have seen it coming, but they didn't. How could they have been so blind? If only they had seen, they could have done something to avoid this disaster. But now it was too late. Jesus was gone, and here they were locked in this room. What were they going to do now? Those who had been opposed to Jesus would still be opposed to them. And who knows, maybe they were searching for them right at the moment. Maybe they were down in the street. Maybe they should turn the lamps down. Wow, how were they ever, when were they ever going to be able to go out in public again? Well, it was into this sort of space, this space of psychic fear and uncertainty, that Jesus came among them. And he said to them, peace, peace be with you. And then right after this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the text says, the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Well, these are condensed mystical texts. And there's a lot here that could easily be glossed over. I can only mention a few points in the minutes we have left this morning. First of all, Jesus offers peace in the midst of great uncertainty and fear, even though they weren't feeling anything like peace, even though they had no sense at all that things were going to be okay. The peace of Christ does not correspond necessarily to outward circumstances or to inward circumstances. It's not a subjective, necessarily a subjective feeling. Um, Luceron would say that it can come to us at the most challenging of times and I think this is a message for us as well Uh, to listen for this peace, to receive it secondly Jesus shows them his wounds he's not totally healed and what's with that You know, God did this great miracle of raising him up from the dead. So why wouldn't he come back all fresh and new? Isn't heaven that perfect place where all signs of suffering and sin and hardship are all wiped away? Apparently not. Apparently, wounds and scars carry on into the next life as well. This seems to speak of a continuity between this world and the next. Heaven is perhaps not a radical break, but some sort of continuation in another sphere or plane, a realm intimately related to this one. And if this is the case, it matters then, how we live and how we interact, what we do, because it will in some sense live on. Now, this doesn't mean, this isn't some sort of karmic view or um, doesn't mean that there's no grace or forgiveness. But as I said last week, grace and forgiveness are not some pass out of the process, some ticket to a happy place. Grace and forgiveness are ingredients of the journey of ongoing transformation. They're food for the road. Well, thirdly, The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. When they saw the Lord, and I think this word when is important. It seems that when he first appeared, they didn't immediately recognize him. It it was only after he showed them his hands and his side that they saw. And this is a signature trait of most of the resurrection appearances in the Gospels. Jesus is not immediately recognizable. Something has to trigger the seeing. For Mary Magdalene, remember, it was when Jesus pronounced her name, Mary. It was then that she recognized them. First, she thought he was the gardener. And with those men on the road to Emmaus, they, they didn't know who this was until he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And then their eyes were opened. And he was gone. So we're dealing with something here other than an obvious replica of Jesus of Nazareth. It seems to be a more subtle spiritual presence. Connected in some way with the physical plane, but not at all equal with it. It's a presence that takes certain eyes to see. So what about us? Could it be possible for us to find this sense of peace in the midst of a time of worry? Could it be possible for us to allow the wounds and the scars to remain? And could it be possible to recognize the risen Christ in our lives as well? To sense his risen presence among us? Well, this is certainly the heart of the Christian faith, that this is indeed still possible, even now. So let's be open during these days. Let's seek. And if we have our questions and our doubts, that's perfectly fine. Questions and doubts are always part of the story. But they don't necessarily have the final word. Amen.